two. And ladies and gentlemen, after quite some time, due to busy schedules and whatnot with the real Lil and myself, we have not had an episode in a while, but it is finally time for another episode of In the Huddle. I am Kenny C alongside me per usual is the real Lil. We got Cam in here and a special guest on today's show, Will, from the On The Board Sports Podcast. What's going on, gentlemen? Oh, man, there's a lot of things going on in the world of sports, especially in New York in particular. Um, the Jets made some moves that we're going to get right into. The Knicks made some moves. And you know what? This may surprise a lot of folks, but I'm in favor of these moves. I like these moves from both teams, and I'm going to tell you why in a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, you know, this is your boy Cam here. Another episode, the 51st, right? 51st episode? Yep. With you. 51st. Yes, so I just want to say, you know, I'm happy to be back with you guys. You know, I have a lot to say today, man. You know, I'm not <laughs> holding my tongue. And Lil, I'm going to make you regret what you say today, buddy. <laughs> Let's see, bring the debate on. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Thank you guys again for having me on. I know, Lil, you had me on uh, – your show last week. So again, thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on. A lot to talk about, obviously. And, you know, let's get right into it, man. You know, thank you for coming Mm -hmm. on. No problem. Thank you for having me. So we might as well get to our first topic that we have here on the agenda. As I briefly mentioned in the intro, the Jets made some moves yesterday by trading Jamal Adams to the Seattle Seahawks, a deal that included two first round picks. Who is the real winner of this trade? Seattle. Seattle. Seattle yeah, Seattle won that. Um, let's hear it, Cam. Let's hear it. I'm going to be honest with you. One thing about Seattle, Seattle does not care about first-rounders. So, you know, by Pete Carroll giving up two picks for Adams, it didn't bother him whatsoever. So, I mean, when's the last time the first-rounder first, you know, a good first-round pick end up being productive for Seattle? Huh? But other than that, I'm just happy that Adams is in a new scenery, in a new environment. I do believe that, you know, the New York Jets organization is full of crap. You know, it's been like this for the past 20, you know, 20 plus years. You know, go to the next step. Um, I'm just unfortunate that they couldn't come to an agreement to a contract. I mean, he is by far one of the best safeties in the National Football League. You feel me? So, I mean, he's a good run stopper, he's a great leader. I mean, I just felt like, you know, the, the organization as a whole, let him down. And oh, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump disagree. right in here. I got I'm gonna disagree. jump right in here and, and hop on the cam train because I agree, man. Overall, looking at look, 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 I sat here for a while thinking about both sides, who won this and that, and ultimately it came down to this for me. So Seattle's getting a guy that can pretty much play three to four positions. He's probably one of the most versatile players in the league. You look at the stats, I mean it's undeniable. The most sacks. 11, most hits, 11, most hurries, 27, total pressures, 49 among all NFL defensive backs since 2017. So the way I look at it is, all right, yes, there's a lot of tension, but why the hell would the Jets go ahead and get rid of a guy who's pretty much the backbone of that entire defense rather than say, all right, let's try to work out these differences, end up paying the man because he's obviously going to get paid at some point. There was some sort of gentleman's agreement between Seattle and Adams, obviously, because they're going to make the trade. He's not just going to leave after a year. So, obviously, they're going to be signing, but for a good chunk of change. So, why not build around the man? Now, to add another point in here, you look at the New York Jets and their first-round picks from 2012 to 2017. What the hell has amounted to – what has any of their picks amounted to for them? 
You look at Quentin Copels, what happened to him? Waived after four years. Dean Maliner, the cornerback, released after four years. Sheldon Richardson, traded after four years. So it seems like the Jets don't have the best resume with first-round picks. And that's why I say Seattle on the trade, because until the Jets can actually show me that a first-round pick is going to pan out for them, then I'll say, all right, maybe the Jets won the trade because they got a couple first-round picks in the future. I got to respectfully disagree with both of y'all brothers here. Y'all not looking at the bigger picture. Y'all thinking short-term, it hurts. Jamal Adams, he's the best safety in the NFL. Why did we lose, lose some great talent like that? But if you look at the bigger picture here, think about it. The, the, Jamal Adams made it clear that he wanted out. There was nothing you could have said to really try to sway him to want to come back. He wanted out. He was finding every excuse in the book to say, listen, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. I have been in situations in my life with schools and, and other, you know, professions where I was like, I don't want to be here. No matter what somebody tell me, I'm going to leave. I'm going to find something else. And I had right. that in my mind and nobody was going to get that out. So if you're the Jets, your best job is to get the best offer on the table because you're going to lose that gate of the talent. So you want to get the best in return. Two first-round picks? You mean to tell me the Jets don't control the draft? I mean, that, that's assets right there. You could build from that. You just have to do it smartly. Now, I know the point that you brought up, Kenny C. It's a valid point. But to my estimation, last year, I was okay with the, draft, the Jets draft pick. I thought they started to learn from their mistakes a little bit. So they can use that and build the momentum, build a team around. If you're Seattle, you're already an NFC um, contending team in the NFC. You already made it to the playoffs. Obviously, you want to compete with the 49ers. But by you giving up all that for Jamal Adams, you're telling me that Jamal Adams takes you from being a middle-of-the-pack NFC team, making the playoffs, to a Super Bowl contending team. So if they don't make the Super Bowl, then it's a loss and a clear win for the Jets. I personally, listen, with everything that's gone on with the New York Jets so far, this whole offseason between Woody, Woody Johnson's comments, even though that didn't happen with the Jets, and now with the whole Jamal Adams saga basically finished and, and done with at this point in time, the Jets here are the big winners here out of, out of this deal. First off, to Kenny, you mentioned the first-round draft picks. Mm -hmm. um, from Darrell Rivas getting traded, wound up being Sheldon Richardson for a first-round draft pick. And then from years ago, with John Abraham leaving the go to the uh, Atlanta Falcons, and that wound up being a late first-round draft pick, who would that become? Yeah. Guys? McMangle. McMangle's going to be a, a ring of honor jet, you know, in the foreseeable future just because of his career here. So I, I'm a firm believer in Joe Douglas and what he's trying to do and what he's trying to pan out. Uh, with the Jets here for sure, 100%. But also, too, look at all the comments that this guy, Jamal Adams, has put out there. Yes, he's a fan favorite. I'm a Jets season ticket holder. I personally love the guy being here and him trying to change the culture. But when you're trying to go out there and, and tweet saying, I'm going to stay here throughout the thick and through the thin, and then they get Adam Gase. Nobody really wanted Adam Gase here. I personally wanted him here just for a change of scenery after seeing so many defensive first-minded head coaches. Right. He's an old guy first, which is, again, great. But ultimately, at the end of the day, with Jamal, you know, you go out, you tweet one thing, you do, you do one thing with the fans, and now you're saying, oh, pay me, pay me, pay me. And then you go out in the media and you talk about what's going on behind closed doors over here. Of course, you know, you're going to get traded and moved and 
Trader Joe wound up finding a way to get the best possible value for Jamal Adams. There's nothing to be said. We know what Jamal Adams brings to the table here, and we know that the Legion of Boom might be coming back into play here. But again, anything is possible come mm. here on out from from here on out to the end of the season. So anything can happen. Now, and, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Kenny. I also like Cam's point before of you look at the Legion of Boom. They were prided off third and fourth round picks even later than that, and they were right. able to build a great defense. So that's not to say. They necessarily need those first-round picks to build a great defense because now you took a guy that was the core of the Jets' defense that they could have built around. Obviously, you made some great points, Will, with, That's a good you know, point. at the end, he was a backstabber with all the social media bullcrap. But you took a guy that now can become the core of Seattle's defense and you can build around him there because as we all can remember from last season, Russell Wilson had to be the guy that put the team on his back in the fourth quarter almost every damn game because the defense couldn't do anything. So right. I think that this is a huge acquisition for Seattle, and they don't necessarily need those first-round picks to, to build the future. But you, but you also got to think about it like this. The Jets have a lot of concern, concerns that they have to fill, fulfill. They have holes on the offensive line still, even though they try to you know beef that up during the draft. They still got to fix – the offensive line in totality. You still got to fix the wide receiving call, give Sam Donner more weapons to throw to. So with getting all these picks, you can address those issues in the future drafts coming up because now you have the house money. You have the assets. So Jamal Adams, you didn't want to be here? Fine. We'll trade you, get the best possible value in return for you, and build our wide receiving core and our offensive line so we can but, keep moving from there. But now you just now you just created a gaping crater at the safety position. I mean, yeah. they got Bradley McDonald in return, but Bradley McDougal is no Jamal Adams, the guy that can play three to four positions. It's obviously you're not gonna you're not gonna find another Jamal Adams. I mean, the Jets may have to come to terms with that, but if you can find a guy later in the draft that can play and make plays, and you build the rest of that team up, then I think it makes up for it if they use their assets correctly. For example. With the Raiders, they didn't use their assets, to be honest with you, at the, at the best that they could have when they traded Khalil Mack. They had all the assets. They controlled the draft. And they made some questionable picks. And I was like, really, really, bro? You really going to do that? They had a chance to build that team back up with all them assets. So the Jets have the assets. Look at the Dolphins having all the assets in this year's draft. They probably could be – who knows how Tua looks. They could be a contender coming to the playoffs and winning that division. Who knows? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they can within the next and, couple of years. So don't rush the process, brother. And that, that's why I say – I agree with you. There, there definitely is a process, and that's why I'm saying right now for me, I would go with Seattle because I don't know how the Jets are going to use those picks. If, those, if the Jets go ahead and draft stupidly, then, I mean, you got to come back on your decision. And but make. I would say this. So if – the Seahawks don't make it to the Super Bowl, then the Seahawks don't make the don't win the draft either because they were a playoff team last year. They went to I believe they lost in the divisional, the wild card round or the divisional round rather. Divisional round, Green Bay. So you're talking about even if they go to the NFC Championship game next year, you're talking about all right, Jamal Adams make you make you another round better in the playoffs. To be honest with you, this move by acquiring Jamal Adams for all them assets is a Super Bowl move, right there. That's telling me you believe he makes your he makes your team better. To, to compete I mean, in Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. The stats don't lie. Like, he, he definitely is going to be a huge boost. Now, I agree with you. Will it make them Super Bowl champions? I don't know because the NFC is pretty damn competitive. So, how yeah, do they the trade if they don't make it to the Super Bowl and they gave up their, you know, their assets, they, 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 they house-called money? How, how, how does they win the trade if they don't win the Super Bowl? That's how I'm looking at it. And Will? 
Two things. Number one, when you look at the Jets right now, they drafted Ashton Davis in the third round. They still have Marcus May. They got Bradley McDougal at their safety positions right now. Realistically, three years ago, four years ago, when they had realistically nobody there, and, mm-hmm. you know, you had Nathan Darrell Reeves, you had Marcus Gilchrist, you had Calvin Pryor, and you had yeah. Buster Green in that secondary. That was one of the worst secondaries in the league. And for them to get Jamal Adams at number six overall, a great move, a two-time pro bowler in three years, it made too much sense. And also, for those people out there that keep on talking about, oh, you should have drafted Patrick Mahomes and that, I just mentioned it just now. They had one of the worst secondaries in the league. You don't know yeah. if Patrick Mahomes is going to go out there or even Deshaun Watson, for that matter, and actually mm-hmm. save the franchise. So who knows what's going to happen here from, from here on out. But for everybody that says, oh, 2020 is the best hindsight possible, I would have taken Jamal Adams at number six overall any day of the week just because of what happened back in that 2016 season. And also, mm-hmm. you know what? You got to look at it like this, too. You know, sometimes the unsung heroes are the best heroes to go out and build your team around. And if Marcus May is an unsung hero, if Ashton Davis can come out, you know, it's his rookie year. You still have Bradley McDougal coming in there. He's a proven vet. Go out there and just do it. The Jets will be fine. Cam and everybody else. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. So, okay. Cam and everybody else, I want to know your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell and Jamal mm. Adams going back and forth. We got to hear, hear the Jets fan, too, on his, his take on that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I really think it was very petty. It was really petty on both sides. But I like, I like how the way Le'Veon handled the situation. He was like a bigger person. Instead of, you know, bashing, you know, Jamal Adams for going to Seattle, you know, he just wished him nothing but the best. So, at the end of the day, he, I was like his character. He, he also threw some shade a little bit. But, I mean, honestly, like Will said before, like, if I'm Le'Veon Bell – this guy has been – Jamal Adams, he's been posting memes and stuff on his Twitter all day, like trying to really rag on the Jets. And then he's like, oh, well, I thank all the Jet fans. Listen, man, at this point, if I'm a Jet fan, see you later. Like, I don't, I don't care go. about you anymore. Let him go. And here's the, here's the thing with, with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell came here because he got paid the most money on the market. They gave him $12 million a year for five years. This is year number two now in his contract, and it looks as if he's a leader. And also, with everybody talking about Le'Veon Bell, oh, well, he didn't produce last year. Well, when you don't have Sam Darno out there for the first four games, five games, this whatever it is, all the defense mm-hmm. is going to be on you. All and you don't have a line. Gonna be on you, and go you don't, out have there and do you so, don't even have an old line That too. You know, so everything, everything's going to be, you know, addressed at that point in time. And, you know, Joe Douglas did that. But to get back to Bell's comments – to, you know, Jamal Adams, here, here's what it comes down to, okay? Bell came over here to play with the Jets. He signed a lot of money, but he saw some glimpses of potential here with this team, with Sam and with everybody, and that included Jamal. And Jamal, you know, at the end of the day, because the head coach didn't want to be here, and also the head coach also said, too, that he kind of didn't want Le'Veon Bell you know, to paraphrase yeah. from that instance as well. But Le- Le'Veon is showing some character here and putting his neck on the line and trying to become a leader here for the Jets. So kudos to Le'Veon for doing that. Yeah, that, that definitely kudos to Le'Veon because when you think about it, Le'Veon Bell 
he he's thinking about the team. You, you have a lot mm-hmm. of guys that are selfish. Remember, this is a team sport. Football, you're going to war with your brothers. So if right. a guy say, I don't want to be here, of course you're going to feel a type of way. But later yeah. on, I was like, I see you week, week 14. You don't want to be here? Oh, man. All right, bring it on. I'm, I'm actually, you know, for Jet fans, if I'm a Jet fan, I want in that week 14 matchup, I want to see Le'Veon Bell hit the hole like Bo Jackson did against Brian Bosworth and <laughs> fuck this man over. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, man. But um, I guess we might as well move on to the next topic. And before we do, yo, Jamal Adams with that video of him dancing <laughs> when he got leg when he got traded. That that's all jokes right there. Literally, that was funny. I'm not gonna lie. I was <laughs> right there. That definitely watch that video if you haven't on his Instagram. Well, uh, we might as well move on to the next New York team. Oh, boy. Move. The <laughs> oh, New boy. York Knickerbockers. My New Knickerbockers. York Knickerbockers. <laughs> oh, man. Tom Thibodeau finalized it. They're, they're finalizing a five-year deal with Tom Thibodeau to be the mm-hmm. next head coach of New York Knicks. Is this a good move? Is this a good hire for the Knicks? And Bad I, move. Bad move. I want to start. Whoa. I want to school, <laughs> school you right off the bat. Wait, um, you about to school me? Listen. That's like, like, I don't know how many times the Knicks drafted a defensive-minded head coach. Like, I'm tired. Like, they said, my my brother. Like like I said, the first time. Jackson was available. But no, they want to go with Tom Thibodeau. What has Tom Thibodeau did in Minnesota? Listen, listen. Let me me school you again. Like, in the first topic, in the first topic, I said, don't watch the process. Trust the process. We have to trust the process. I like the hire for the New York Knicks, and let me tell you why. I know the Knicks... Everybody, the Knicks fans, including myself, we want the flashiest guy. We want a Mark Jackson. Hell, Mark Jackson deserves to have a, another head coaching gig. My former Bishop Lockley Memorial High School alum, he deserves to have another gig. We all know that. But you don't have the stars at this, time, at this moment right now. So what you want to do is get a guy that can get the best out of these young guys. When, when Coach Thibodeau coached the Bulls that year in 2000, I believe 2011, yeah. They were 16, 62, and 20. They made the Eastern Conference Finals. They were a very good defense, defensive team. Players speak highly of him. You had Noah said he, he felt like he was an improved player once he was coached by him. Now, if you want to talk about the year that he was on the Timberwolves and they made it to the, to the playoffs, they still made it to the playoffs. Even hey, though they got to the first round. To add to that, I got the stat right here, man. He brought the Timberwolves to the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. Exactly. So that's not it, it doesn't help when you have lazy-ass players and Andrew Wiggins and Cole Anthony Towns <laughs> that don't want to play defense, then of course you're not going to succeed. Because if he's a defensive coach, he wants you to play defense, and that's something that requires heart, which they yeah. don't have. That's why Jimmy Butler wanted out. And, Will, you want to get in here? Yeah, I'm, I'll just make my point short and sweet. You know, the Knicks have such a young talent here, young talent of players going out there. We got to see what happened. I know, Leo, you, you alluded to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves when they did, when they made it to the playoffs and how they had that young core talent. You know, a, a guy like Kenny Anderson would have fit very well over here. I said now you're going to see it from this perspective of with the young talent that's coming in here for the Knicks, they're going to find a way to go out and get the superstar and try and get people that want to play here in New York as opposed to trying to build around the core talent that's here right now, a la Kenny Anderson, what uh, Kenny Atkinson, excuse Atkinson, me, yeah. Yeah. and what he did with the Nets and with the with the young talent. But mm-hmm. again, you know, let's see what Tom Thibodeau does, and 
you know, he has the track record, obviously, when he was with the Bulls, you alluded to 2011, Derek Rose won an MVP. But that young team in 2009, even though the Celtics didn't have, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett for that playoff series in 2009 against the Bulls, the Bulls wound up giving that team such a hard time. And that was one of the greatest series in, in the past, like, 10, 11 years going out in the first round. But like I said, if there's young talent on this team and you're going to have a probably the, the potential first round draft, first round uh, number one overall pick, might be LaMelo Ball, might be somebody who knows. Mm. You could go out there and build it with Kenny Anderson, uh, Kenny Atkinson. Excuse mm-hmm. me. <laughs> you know, I keep on picking Kenny Anderson from the Celtics and Queens boy. <laughs> but anyway, you go out there and you draft and you build your team up with the young talent with the young coach that had a proven track record with the young talent there as opposed to Thibs. But again, mm-hmm. this is going to be a win now situation right now with Thibodeau. And I'm expecting this young core to be gone a la like the Lakers and LeBron mm-hmm. James did at the uh, end of last year going into this off into last off season. So, you know, see what happens. And, and for me, I mean, Look, Kenny Atkinson, I'm I'm on the same type of boat. I thought that that also would have been a great signing because, like you said, he's great with young players. He's a player's coach. You want that with young guys like the Knicks that they have. But honestly, look at, looking at the Knicks, man, I mean, 21 and 45 last season. Like, they missed the past seven years. Like, look, put me and Leal in that coach at this point because I'm not <laughs> – the, the Knicks need something. And Thibodeau, like you said, Will, he does have a good track record. He's 11th in career win, win percentage for coaches with 500 or more games. He was 352 and 246 in eight seasons with the Bulls in Minnesota. So here's a guy that definitely has a solid track record. And now you take young talent with a veteran coach. I mean, I can't see it. I can't see it going any worse than it's been for the Knicks in the past seven to ten years. Yeah, <laughs> Here's the thing with the Knicks right now. Every year we keep on talking about this. They always go after the home run and the superstar. And now we got to see what's going on here with the young talent that's in place. You know, New York is obviously a win-now town. We get to see everything what's going on over here. Uh, You know, with with the Knicks especially, they just have to go out there right now. And they have a couple pieces that could be key defensively. Frank Nilakita. Kevin Knox can find his way a little bit here and there. We don't know what's going to happen with Julius Randle. Julius Randle, we've been hearing rumors about him getting traded and such, being on the trade block. They have Mitchell Robinson, still a defensive first presence in the, in that lineup. But, again, and especially with the number one overall pick possibly uh, being over there, anything is possible. But Thibs, he's got he's to prove it with this young talent and actually just go out there and do it. This is a pressure cooker right here in this situation. But, and again, anything is possible. Exactly. What I about, totally agree with you. But go ahead, Cam. Go ahead. I was going to say, what about Dennis Smith Jr.? Like, do you think Thibodeau could help? No. <laughs> no. Oh, God. No. I'm me on him. He, he, he listen, he, with Chris Tapps in that trade, he had his opportunity. He's more of a shoot-first type of guard instead of trying to go out there and try and make a play for him. He's trying to be flashy a little bit, everything like that, from my perspective. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but he's a me-first type of guy. For the Knicks, they need a we-type player first. Not a me-type player. They need a we-type player to go out there and change the culture. And not only that, too, look at all the distractions that are here in New York. The young kids right now, they're trying to do it. And we got to see it now for the past 20 years. There's a lot going on in the city right now. Uh, You know, who knows what's going to happen. But Dennis Smith Jr., again, like I said, 
he's he's more of a for for a guy that plays point guard or shooting guard. He's more of a me first type of guy instead of a we a we type of player. I I agree, and um, you said something very good, um, Will, and, the, and when you was talking that I that stuck with me is is the fact that you're not gonna always gonna you're not always gonna have the the home run. You're not gonna hit the home run always. I know the Knicks is the Knicks, New York, the market, the radio. However, the the antics that come with being New York requires winning and having the biggest stars and the biggest you know players basically. But you're not gonna get that right now. Quite frankly, we had an opportunity with KD and Kyrie. We all know that story. And it didn't end well. So it was evident that we need to do some building. We need to build this young core up. And it starts with the head coach. And you're not going to hit the home run with the head coach either. Right now, you want a head coach that can get the best out of his young guys. Now, I do like the Kenny Ackerson, um, you know, talk. I believe I said that on the radio before that the Knicks probably would have won to look in that direction. But that's to say that, to say this. We don't know if he could have replicated the same thing he did in Brooklyn where right. he built those young guys. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes mm-hmm. you have juice one year, and you may not be able to replicate it um, in a dysfunctional yeah. franchise we're talking about with the Knicks. The Brooklyn is not as dysfunctional. Who knows if he can replicate that same um, system that he ran to be able to attract those two free agents that ended up going there and Kevin Durant and KD. So I like this hire. Um, let's see what happens. It can only go up from here. But I want to know what I thought – on David West because David West tweeted mm. he went on a tweet and went with this head coach and hire. He was upset with it. He obviously was not a fan. He tweeted, man, how many times can you fail up? How, how many times can you fail as a black head coach? I feel bad for young players whose development will stagnate, but they will be blamed for not working hard. Right. Then he tweeted again and another separate mm. young players run for the hills. Another separate tweet. How many opportunities has Mark Jackson got? Another separate tweet, Patrick Ewan got a shot. Has, has Patrick Ewan got a shot at an NBA job yet, or did I miss that? So he That's was, true. That's true. What do you think about that? Uh, you talking talk to me or Ken? A- anybody want to take Yeah, anybody want to jump in? Uh, it comes down to winning at the end of the day. Patrick Ewing is a good college coach right now, but, you know, if he were to come back into New York again – it, there's a there's a huge difference. Everybody hyped up Phil Jackson when he came back to become the president of basketball operations here for the Knicks. It didn't happen because of the fact that he, you know James uh, James Dolan and him didn't get along, and you know it didn't really work out with some of the moves that happened. But also too, when it comes to the black you know black head coaches and white head coaches, listen, it comes down to winning games at the end of the day. That's what it really matters. And also with Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson is a prominent prominent. TV analyst that's making hand over fist type money probably with ESPN and ABC being being a part of that broadcasting team and being on that top 